the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So let's read from Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. It's a crazy statement because actually this is the Sermon on the Mount and everyone had gathered around this mountain because in Isaiah it spoke of the light of the world would be coming. And it was, a, it was spoken of the Messiah. And so the idea that the Messiah is now standing on a mountainside and he's the, one of the first things he's saying is after he's told everyone you're blessed for this, that and the other, is he says, you are the light of the world. And then it'd be probably a little bit perplexed going like, but, but this isn't really about us. We came here to see the light of the world. But then he's commissioning, he's talking to them, he's looking at them and he's saying this of us. And you know what's the thing? Is that God doesn't say this is something you sign up for. This isn't something you opt in for. It's not like a connect card. Like you fill out the connect card or you sign up to volunteer or you fill out a form on the website or, or you do something like that. It, it's none of those things. It, it's non-negotiable. It's a declaration from the mouth of God. He says, you are the light of the world. Jesus wants us to know from the get-go, this is not a spectator sport. You don't fill the crowds and stand by and watch. This is about a people called out together that illuminate together. And then he goes on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. He's passing on the Olympic torch. So I was sitting in a worship service and man, I was kind of a little bit lost. My head was a bit hazy. And this lady came up to me, her name's Rona. And it was a worship service and she came up to me and she just said some God stuff to me and just prophesied over me. And I was like, that makes no sense. And she walked away. And I was like, I am so confused right now. And then she walked straight back over and goes, sorry, I said that completely wrong. This is what he said. He said, the plan is still the plan. And I remember standing there like, oh my word, that is crazy because I'd screwed up my life. I felt God had called me to plant a church. And I felt like now he would tolerate me, but he'd never want to do with me what he said he wanted to do. Because I, I looked at myself and I thought, no man, I'm just, I'm hiding. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna do this. I wanna do some stuff for God, I'll do youth work, but I'm never gonna step out. I'm never gonna step into that because I'm a waste man. So I can't do this. And then she walks up and she says, the plan is still the plan. And she writes all this stuff down on a piece of paper that I look at and it doesn't make any sense. And then we lose it somewhere in our home in our first year married, living around the corner from actually where we live now. And I was going through some crazy stuff later on, like a year later. And it was really difficult and I, I really felt like I knew what God wanted me to do, but I was so confused about stuff. And then Jody finds this piece of paper and she's like, you've got to read this, you've got to read this. Because someone was trying to pressurize me and say, this is God's will for your life this way, you need to go this way. And it was like really like spiritual abuse and it was really hard for me to find clarity. I felt so confused about everything. And then Jody goes, you've got to read this. I get home and I read it and it says that she saw me as like carrying the Olympic torch. And she said, this is what you'll be known for. And a few, a little while before that, I just felt like God wanted me to plant this church. And my big question was, when do I go? Because God, I felt like you told, called me to plant church since I was 17. I'm in my 20s now, like, when do I go? When do I go? When do I go? And then it's leading up to 2012. Now I know I'm never touching the Olympic torch. I know I'm, I wasn't gonna lift it. I wasn't gonna be carrying it around my hometown or anywhere else. Like, that wasn't gonna happen. But what I did know 
was I knew from that one picture that 2012, that's the year you go and you start stepping out and you trust me and you go for this. And then in 2012, Jody and I took a huge leap of faith to try and shine in the darkness. Batter up, he passed that torch on. Oh man, it was scary. But then he says, it cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. And that's the funny thing, you see, I was in this church, I was doing this job and I was doing this role and it was great, but in a way I was hiding. Because although I was stepping out and I was doing the things I was supposed to be doing, I was technically hiding. I was hiding from what, who I was supposed to be, who I was called to be. And the reason I was hiding was because of my own inadequacy, because of my own sin, because of my own failure. And that made me believe that I couldn't step out, that I didn't want to shine. Or I, I, I didn't mind positioning the light that God had given me, but it's just where I would position it. I wouldn't strategically think about, I'm going to stick this light and stick it somewhere that other people can see. I'm going to kind of have the light going, but I'm going to keep it here. So like, I'm going to have like some mood lighting. You know what I mean? Just some mood lighting in my life. You know, just a little bit of Jesus that people go, ooh, this room's so moody. It's just something different here, but there's no, there's no obvious nature to it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In a world of Google Maps, that sounds like an obvious statement, right? You know what I mean? Apple Maps, oh, let me just go look at the hillside. Oh yeah, there is a city there, I can confirm. In their world, this is, this is this huge kind of thing on a hill that you can't hide at night. There's gonna be some lights, there's gonna be this glaring thing in the distance that you're gonna be able to see from miles away because not only is it lit, but it's, it's raised, it's higher, and you're on lower ground. So everyone would see this thing. It wasn't like you say to someone, hey, look at that city on a hill, and they'd be going, where? I, I, I can't see it, I can't see it. And Jesus was saying, that's how we need to be. But you see, the problem is, I think you and I today are really good at hiding it. I know that because I know I did. And I've got a sneaking suspicion from conversations down the years with loads of different people that actually, they're really good at hiding the light as well. And you know what's funny? I find that with a lot of my friends, they, they want me at dinner parties, at socials, to kind of like hide the light a little bit. It's like, oh no, you know the things we don't talk about at dinner parties, we don't talk about religion, and we don't talk about politics. Rubbish, everyone moans about politics at dinner parties. It's just you don't want me to be me at a dinner party, but then if you don't want me to be me at a dinner party, great, don't invite me. I don't try and evangelize anyone. I'm not like a tango advert gone wrong, running out to people going, Jesus loves you at a dinner party, and they go, I think I've been evangelized with some big Christian hand in their face. I'm not some like, I am a weirdo. I'm not that much of a weirdo. I'm just a moderate, semi-decent weirdo. But the idea that we could ever hide this light away is a, is a criminal thing. It's a criminal thing. You see, if you want to take that out of me, I mean, my response is me no speaking English. Non comprende. It's, it's not something I can process. Like, you want me to take that bit out of me? Like, well, you wouldn't say to me, I've got a machete and I don't want these certain parts of your body to come to this dinner party. Like, would you like it if I came in going, hey guys, I hacked off the arm just like you wanted. Ah, artery blood spraying everywhere. You know what I mean? It would ruin the dinner party a bit. Like, if you want me, then this is, this is part of who I am and this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And then he talks about the basket, which was funny because Jody and I were at a wedding recently and it was kind of surreal. Really nice decor everywhere, amazing uh, table displays, incredible food and quantity. I've never had such quality and quantity of food at the same time. It was unreal. But then midway through while you're eating this really delicate food, this rock band piped up with Green Day basket case. It was like, oh, did not see that coming. This is slightly different. And they nailed it, man. It was such a cool song. But actually, you know what? Christianity so often reminds me of Green Day basket case. 
soft enough. I think lots of Christians are basket cases because they want to talk about Christianity and they always want to talk about going deeper in their faith, but really what they do is they go deeper into the basket. They take a light that God's given them and they go down deeper and deeper and deeper and they say these amazing, incredible Christian phrases with this light hidden deep down at the bottom of the basket. And people are at such a distance, they no longer can actually see the city on a hill. They're looking going, there's little bits of light shining out of that basket, the little cracks in the sides. Man, I've had some weird conversations where people will talk to me about some really weird Christian stuff. I do not want to debate with you about the toenails on the beast. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care. You are so deep lost in the basket, you haven't seen the light of day, let alone anyone else seeing your light. And people will have like conferences about this kind of stuff. It's so inwardly focused. They're basket case. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. I'm not surprised. Your theology's crazy. You give me the creeps. And I know this stuff. It all keeps adding up. I know you're doing more and more and more Bible studies and Bible studies and Bible studies. You know the commas in the Greek, let alone the Greek. I mean, you're talking about this comma actually changes the whole meaning and the nuance of the statement. I think I'm cracking up. I think you are. I really do. Am I just paranoid or am I stoned? I don't know. I don't know. You could be lit to me. You really could be lit. You could be like Moses at the burning bush all over again, but it's the wrong kind of bush. So inwardly focused. Man, I had this um, amazing pastor, a guy called Paul, who actually one of the best things anyone's ever done for me. I remember we had a pastoral catch-up. I was the youth worker at the church, and he sat me down, and he was asking me how things are going with the job. But before he got to the job, he asked me about my life. And I was talking about my life. He's like, oh, great. And he goes, so who have you shared faith with this week? What non-Christians have you spent time around? And then I went, oh, I spent time around loads of non-Christians. He went, oh, fantastic. His eyes lit up. He was a really, exp- his face, like he could not hide disappointment or excitement. So you knew he was gassed when he was gassed and you knew when he was looking at you like he wishes he could disembowel you. And he was so excited, fantastic. And he goes, who? And I started to talk about it. There's all these rough kids, crazy kids I've been reaching with the gospel. And he looked furious. And I'm thinking like, dang, man, I, I thought I nailed it. And he's looking at me angry. And he's like, that's your job. You're paid to reach those kids. Which of your friends who aren't Christians have you been spending time with? And I looked at him like he was high. I was like, none. Oh man, he ripped me a new one. I've never had a pastor rip me one like this guy ripped me one. I, I, I'll never forget it. And then his last words to me, before, this is before we even got down to business. This is before we talked about my actual job. He goes, let us never have a catch up like this ever again. And I remember walking away, going home, Johnny going like, I cannot believe what just happened. I felt I was crushing it in my job. And the fact I hadn't been hanging out with all my friends at Heathens Take It Slow was an issue for this guy. Like, this, is, this, is, this place is insane. One of the best things that's ever happened to me. One of the absolute best things that's ever, ever happened to me. Because he tried to protect and structure my life that my life wasn't always about church. It's one of the reasons why at City Hill we have one service, this one, and that's it. Because... I don't want everyone at a Monday renewal meeting, at a Wednesday Bible study group, a Friday night helping out at the youth club, Tuesday night I missed one, the kids club. And then on Saturday we'll go out and we'll do outreach and then on Sunday we'll be here together like some weird kind of Christian inbred group that just kind of like, I don't know, like it's just constantly every day and then you never have any time to share. Like who have you been shining the light with? Well, I don't know, I've been here all week, you know? I was in church all week. One of the best things he ever did for me. Because you see, He wouldn't let me hide what God was doing under a basket. The only pastor I've ever had who wouldn't let me hide it 
wouldn't let me. It was the highest priority for him. It's about God and it's about his glory. Stand. It talks about positioning the light so that it's on a stand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. It says house because the, the rooms that they would have, it would be like a house, it would be one big room and everyone would live in it together. And so when you position this correctly, everyone saw, everyone's world was lit up. You can't see light, you see what light reveals and light reveals what's there within the room for everyone else to share together and see. And it says, gifts, oh, I love this. Let's have a look. Light in the house. In the same way, let your light shine for others. Nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. This is the easiest thing you will ever do that gives to all. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Not literally holding a light in a room, because this room was pretty well lit before I held the light. But when you shine for God, you do something and you give to all. All. When it's under the basket, you're just sitting there as a Christian enjoying your own little bless me club. Look how great this light is. Oh guys, I'm just so glad that I let you in the basket with me. We can all have this little huddle around the light and enjoy it together. This is so illuminating. I just feel lit right now. While the rest of the world gropes around in the blind. When we position the light, when we think for a second strategically and intentionally about the light that God's given us, where can I, where can I hold this? As soon as we start to ask that one question, it changes our entire life. It changes discipleship, it changes evangelism, it changes mission, it changes what it means to be church. And it asks a question of us as well, when we look back, who's been shining in our life? I mentioned a few different people that have shone in my life in those key moments, like Rona, she did that, Paul did that. I can think back to a guy called Mark, who when I was a kid and I went missing from church, wrote me a letter. I mean, I know it's a while back now, but like actually wrote me a letter. I remember getting it, and like, kind of being like, oh, wrote me, a, wrote me a letter. And so I went, oh, better go back to church. So I did, just because he sent a letter to my house. I started going back to church. And then he invested years and years in my life. He'd pay me to travel away with him, to go uh, camping. He'd, he'd actually pay for me to go away on a retreat and write the whole year's syllabus for the kids with him. Got me involved. We did the Mark and Andy show for like all these different age groups of kids, like City Light, but with like 150 kids and just me and him in a room. It was crazy. I had someone come up to me on Sutton High Street once and me going, you're Andy from the Mark and Andy show. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I feel so old. <laughs> I was like 17, 19 at the time, whatever. They're like, yeah, that was, that was so awesome. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And they were standing next to like their other friend who's looking like, what's the Mark and Andy show? <laughs> crazy, crazy. Who's just shining your life before, but who's shining in your life now? Because whoever's taking the time to do that, you might want to really make sure you spend some time with them. But also, who are you, whose light are you going to shine into? Man, I've got Zach in my life, who's probably the best friend I've had in as long as I can remember now. And no one asks question of me more than him about the mission of God. No one. No one. Everything I do, I'll be talking about something with City Hill that's going this way, and then he'll bring it back around. But how does that... He's like got a hook around my neck as I'm going off dreaming. How does that fit into the mission? Oh, yeah, 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 that's just a cool thing. That's not really the mission, is it? Amazing, amazing guy. We all have friends and we all need to find people like that and we need to allow those positions to be, people to be positioned to shine our light in the right ways as well. But you see, all of this, it says, comes down to one important thing. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Give glory to God, that God gets glory. 
Man, I love glory. You see, you know what glory is? Glory literally in Hebrew means weight. Weight. It's something heavy. Like Eden, Eden's middle name is Selah. Now, Selah is a Hebrew word, and it means to weigh, to pause, to reflect, to weigh up. So the idea behind her name and what we prayed over her before she was even born, and we chose the name, was we wanted her to be someone who took her time, who didn't rush in to make friendships, who didn't just go crazy and go, oh, this is really, ah. But she would stand at a distance, and she would weigh it up before she would get involved. We wanted her to have that kind of wisdom. And you know what's really cool? I remember watching her from when she was really, really young. We'd go to a soft play, and you'd always see her standing way away from everyone else. And she'd be taking it all in. And then she would be very choosy with who she would engage with. It was crazy that we were able to speak that over her life. But all that comes down to God's glory. Is you weigh it up and go, oh, wait, how does that, how, how does that weigh? Oh, that's pretty heavy. That's, that's, that's legit. That's legit right there. That, I'm going to get dench if I keep holding this kind of glory around me. If I keep going this, I'm, I'm going to get dench. Like, this, like we go for like, like if, if, if what you're going to hold in your hand is glory, is the, is the beautiful Christian Instagram post with the amazing coffee latte next to the Bible verse and the empty notebook. <laughs> How long has that notebook been empty? How long have you been on that page? I've seen six posts and the page hasn't turned yet. I can weigh that. Oh my gosh, I'm not holding anything. I am not holding anything. Do you see what I'm saying? You just weigh it. Oh, wait, that's, that's pretty light. That's never going to do anything. Your friend's world's falling apart. You just, oh, how you doing? Oh man, I can start to feel God's glory there. I can really feel it. Or, or the, these, the, the pastries and, and the fruit. You know, every week at the end, the leftovers go to someone homeless. Oh, I can feel the weight. I can feel the weight of God's glory in it. That's the question that we have to ask. When you shine intentionally and strategically, you give all to it in the house and God will get his glory. I want to show you guys three simple, simple ways that every single one of us, these are the simplest, I want to give the most base things because they are so unbelievably easy. The unusual, this is my favorite, the unusual. I love doing strange things that gets people to ask questions because Jesus did it. Like so often Christians want to tell people information on the high street and out and about that no one wants to hear. You do something strange, people come over and go, why are you giving away ice pops? Why are you... Doing, why are you doing that? Why? When we, for Good Friday, two years ago, I, I stood here with Trina and we sat up there and, and for Good Friday, we went round to tables because Fran allowed us and we said, it's Good Friday, we're at City Hill, a church that meets here every Sunday. We would love to turn your table water to wine. So the church paid, people gave money to the church that we could pay for their bottle of water to be exchanged for a really nice bottle of red. People were like, why, why, would, you, why, would, you, why would you do that? And I'd be like, why wouldn't I do that? And they were like, but, but you're a church. You're making me want to go to church. And I remember saying to one woman, how ghastly. You know, oh, oh, steady. Like, oh, you know. Man, why? You do it. And then people were asking me questions about sitting here, asking me questions about Jesus, asking me questions about Easter. Do something unusual. Pay for someone's coffee behind you. Give a gift to someone that's not expecting it. Take someone else a lunch in that you know never has a lunch in. Bring it in. Let's see you Inviting someone into your life is the second one. I love that. You can invite someone into your life. Really easy to do. In today's world, we live for the gram. We live for Instagram. How about we actually live for spending time with someone and just investing in that person? Um, inviting someone to City Hill, easy way to shine, man. We all have a friend who's like now pagan, who used to like love church and that. I remember someone came here a little while ago and they said to me, I haven't been to church in like uh, however many years. I never thought that happened to me or two years. 
last time I was in church was an Easter service, never thought that happened to me. And then they come here every couple of weeks now. It's pretty cool, you know? Just invite someone in, you never know what it's gonna do. And then lastly, the most easy and awesome thing to initially do, but later gets tricky, is to serve at City Hill. We have so many different areas people can serve in. Andre, absolutely, hashtag killing it. Like, man, with creativity, design. If you're a creative person, if you're a musical person, the three key areas that we need people to serve in more than any other at the moment are hosting. We need people to be here to take care of people that come. There's nothing, if we could get a huge hosting team, I wouldn't even care if it was bigger than the amount of people that came. If we get a huge hosting team that comes, someone comes, they're getting loved. They are getting loved. For me, there's nothing greater, more important than that. Second, City Light. Once a month, if you could spend time with the kids, you may not want to put a session together. I can write the whole session for you. Mark can write the whole session for you. We'll have it up online for you to access on your phone. Easy. Just once a month. Maybe once every two months. Whatever. And then lastly, if anyone is musically gifted, we are going to start the worship team back up here at City Hill. We've had our season and we're gonna start that. And it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be different, it's gonna be unique. If you have an interest in any of those three areas, just email info at cityhill.london, or if you wanna email hello at cityhill.london, depending on how you wanna be. I just love hello, I don't know. I just, hello, is it me you're looking for? It's great for volunteering, I think. Anyway, I'm gonna pray for us, and that will be it for today. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. Father, I want to also thank you for Andre. I want to thank you for the creativity, the design, the inspiration uh, for being a part of us. And even moving that aside, the amount of times that he's been here, that he's gone out with everyone afterwards to eat and just shared and loved on people. Father, we just pray that you bless him and we pray that you would just continue to anoint him. We just pray that he continue having wacky ideas like starting libraries on estates. We just pray, Father, you'd just do amazing things through him. We pray, Father, you'd enlarge his territory. We pray that you would just give him more and more inspirational, creative ideas. Father, I just pray for every single person here that they may know you, that they may think and start to ask the question, where do I position the light within my sphere of influence, within my friendship circle? and within this church where we find our place. Where am I going to serve? How am I going to get more connected, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.